very good morning to you. It's good. What a privilege to be, I have to say. I hope you had a lovely summer holiday. Um, coming back to Clapham Common is, if, I, if, I'm honest, if I'm honest, gives me mixed feelings because I've got painful memories of cycling over Clapham Common. I was coming back from work, had my phone stupidly in my hand. You just do, here's top tip from today, if you get nothing else, don't look at your phone when you're cycling. Because there I was, over the common, looking down at my phone, Next thing I know, boom, I've hit a bollard. <laughs> and I'm there spread-eagled on the floor, it's especially in Clapham, where everyone's so cool, gosh. It was so, you know, it was so embarrassing, I have to say. But there I was, I phoned my mate, I said, Dom, where on earth do I take my bike to have service at this time in the hour? He said, I know a guy, I know a guy. Tooting Market, Dave. <laughs> so I wheeled my bike in through Tooting Market. Do you know, it's closed down now, the, the, the Pedalback Cafe, very cool. But there it was. As I wheeled my bike in through the market, I was listing off in my head the, the needs I thought it had. I thought I needed a new red light on the back. I did. I needed a new wheel at the front. It just needed readjusting after my bash. And I thought I'd better get a phone holder. So I wheeled it in. Those were my needs that I approached Dave with. I said, Dave, what can you do for me? Dave picks up my bike, and as he does so, his eyebrows go higher and higher <laughs> because he's looking at my bike, and he looks at the brakes, and he says, whoa. <laughs> he says, these brake cables, they're literally hanging by a thread. <laughs> it could have snapped at any moment. I went in with my set needs, but actually he came and showed me actually I had a far deeper need unexpectedly. And actually, all of us this morning, we've rolled in. Maybe you've cycled into church. That would be nice. But if you have, we've all rolled in with, with all sorts of needs this morning. Every single one of us. For some of us, it will be getting the school shoes ready, you know, the new black shoes for the kids in September, two weeks to go. One, one week, maybe. You need to get that. Those work emails, you've got to open, open the laptop and deal with that backlog of, email, of, backlog of emails. You think, oh, that's what I need to do. Others of us on the live stream, great to have you with us, by the way. Thank you for joining us. It might be some of us, actually, the need is to stay at home. It's just this COVID thing, that's the need. And yet there'll still be others of us still who, well, we've got these needs which we, we dare not admit to ourselves, almost, let alone to somebody else. And that's just us here in Clapham. Think of the needs we prayed for of those in Afghanistan this morning. Gosh, the needs... And what we'll see in our passage this morning, Luke chapter 5, is something quite remarkable because we see a man coming to Jesus Christ with his set of needs. But what Jesus does is, is really surprising because he cares for those needs, but he does two things, we'll see. He shows this guy, actually, you've got a deeper need. Your, your need is deeper than you think. And secondly, he shows that he, he meets us there at that place of need. Our need is deeper than we think, and he meets us there. So why don't we turn to our passage, Luke chapter 5, and we'll dig in. You know, it's the paralyzed story. You'll remember this, some of you from Sunday school. Oh, wouldn't it be fun to act this out, you know, get the ceiling going. But anyway, Luke chapter 5, the paralyzed man, Luke 5, verse 17. Let me read. Yeah, there we go. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and teachers of the law were sitting there, They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to 
lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowds, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Filled with awe. And that's the big sermon series this August, isn't it? And what we'll see today, I hope, is, is as we connect our deepest need with the Lord Jesus who meets that deepest need, at that meeting point, that is the place where awe and joy and amazement can be rekindled afresh for each of us, even this morning, maybe for the first time, as we see those meeting of needs. But why don't we dig in then, shall we, uh, with our first big thing? Jesus shows us that our need is deeper than we thought it was. And you can imagine the scene in this passage, can't you? First century Palestine, it's hot, it's dusty, not like a sort of muggy day, cold day today, but there it is, it's hot. And, and we meet this guy, verse 18, all we know about him is this, he's a paralyzed man on a mat. We don't even know his name. His whole identity is tied up with this, this disability that he has. And he's just been lying there and lying there and lying there. Maybe for years, we're not told. And we've seen that on the news, haven't we, these 18 months with COVID. Patients lying there in an ITU bed, strapped to a ventilator, just lying there. Maybe you've known people in that situation. Well, here this guy is. There's no NHS, there's no vaccines, there's no ventilators. And he's lying there, watching life go by. You know, imagine the, the frustration. Socially, he's isolated. He can't even pick up his kids, maybe. Physically, he can't go out shopping. He can't work. Emotionally, perhaps low on hope. Spiritually, cut off. He can't get to the temple, the synagogue, alone. An outsider looking on as others live their lives. I wonder, I wonder if there's any of us this morning who feel like that. An outsider looking on as others live their lives. But he hears of someone. He hears of this man, Jesus of Nazareth, this, this carpenter, this Jewish rabbi, who's working miracles. And he thinks to himself, I've got to get to him. I've, I've just got to try it. So these guys, they help him on this mat, uh, whatever mat that was from Ikea, who knows. But there they are, they carry him to this house. It's full, they, they get to the roof. And, you know, them clambering on the roof. Imagine you're in the crowded room below and suddenly you get this dust. You know, it's not dandruff, it's dust from, from above and, and the light shafts start coming down and you think, what on earth? And they winch this guy down and boom, the paralyzed man is there at the feet of Jesus. Now here's a question, shout it out loud. First one gets a prize, a face mask or something. If 
If you're that man, you're lying there, here's the question. What are the words you most want Jesus to say to you? What are the words you most want Jesus to say to you? Someone shout it out. Oh, well done. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Louder. Say it again. That's it. Thank you. Get up. That's what you want to hear, isn't it? That is your need, isn't it? Get up. But what does Jesus say? Verse 20. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. You think, what? The guy's up there. He, what did he say? Your shins are frozen. No, no your sins are... F-. And the, the, guy, the crowd's around. They, what did he, they're not impressed at all. We'll come back to them in a minute. But the guy on the mat, what's he thinking? He's thinking to himself, this wasn't my need. This isn't the need I came to you for, for healing. And the challenge of this passage, I think, is this. It's that actually, when we come to Jesus with all sorts of needs, rightly so, we, we see he cares for each of those needs deeply, more than we can imagine. And yet in love, he wants to put his finger on a deeper need, the need beneath the need. And not, that he's, not that he's tying this guy's suffering to a particular sin, nothing like that. No, what he's simply saying is, you've come to me with my need and I care about that, but I've actually got a, another agenda too, to, to heal a deeper need. That's what I'm here for, to bring a deeper healing that you really need. And, you know, he's saying, you don't just need a tweak on your, your front wheel or a new back red light or a new phone holder. You need a whole new service And that's what I'm here to give you. It comes with a deeper need. Your sin to be forgiven. You know, that sin word, we woke London, we sort of shiver at that very easily often, don't we? Certainly society does. But Jesus says, no, that's the issue. It's it's a heart issue. That's what I've come to heal. And it's what I love to heal. That, that, you know... Let's, let's do two things. Augustine talked about that sense in which our hearts are curved in on ourselves. We're meant to love God and love other people, but, but our loves get disordered and, and that love turns in on itself. Or more contemporarily, uh, J.K. Rowling, I learned yesterday, you know that novel about warlocks, maybe? Uh, maybe you don't. I haven't read it yet. But there's basically, she tells about this story about a heart that, that's hairy and it, because it's, it gets shriveled and shrunken because it's not attached to what it should be. And Jesus is saying, naturally speaking, our hearts, well, they, they look in and they get stunted, our souls shrivel, and actually we have a, a, a paralysis of our souls, if you like. That's what he puts his finger on, in love, to this guy. And you know, COVID, one in five of us apparently have had it, I hope not this morning, we've done the test, haven't we? One in five with COVID, but for this sin, sickness, heart issue, well, it's... It's one out of one of us, according to Jesus. And that's what he wants to come and deal with, our deepest need. And we see it all the time, don't we? In our own lives, even. The symptoms are there, day after day, if, if, if we've got the eyes to see. And I, I was talking to a colleague, it was my boss, actually, at work, on Friday. And it was my monthly sub- appraisal on the phone. And it's just, we, yeah, it's lovely, we get on really well, and we end up chatting philosophy and faith, all sorts She's not a Christian. And we got talking about tenants and neighbours and why they just can't get on. You know, why are we, you know that's part of the job, getting tenants neighbours to talk together, um, not fight together. And, and she asked, why, why, 
Why are they like that? Why, why can't we just be nice to, to each other? And she didn't just say them, but we. Why can't we do that? And, and this is the answer. It's this sin issue, the deeper need that we all have. And sometimes we can be in church for years, you know, and still miss this. <laughs> I think of a friend of mine. She's in, she was in her late 20s at the time. And she'd been on camp and gone to church all her years and so on. But sort of wasn't too fussed. And, and ended up going to, you know, the V Festival. I, not my sort of thing, but fest, music. In Reading, maybe. And she's there camping. And she takes, an, I think it's an ecstasy tablet. In desperation. And the moment she takes it, she thinks, what are you doing? And she makes herself sick behind this tent. And cries out, God, if you're there, please help me. And just a little while later, a few days, it was an Easter day all-age service in Bath. There I was, she was there. And the uh, the vicar, what does he get out? Three puppets. I think, oh, for goodness sake, puppets? How's this going to (laughs) work? But puppet number two, it's the angels at the empty tomb, do not be afraid. I turn, and there's this friend bawling her eyes out. And she goes out and sits on the wall outside. You know, I'm a bloke. I don't know what to do with a, a crying uh, friend, so I just sit there. But she's there crying. And she later says that day, for the first time, she saw two things. She saw her sin for the first time, really. The, 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 the grief, the, the offense, the, the lack of love towards God and others. But at the very same time, she saw for her the love of Christ. And it, it transformed her. It gave her an awe she'd never had before. And in fact, she's never lost. It's been beautiful to witness over these last few years, I have to say. And what we're seeing in this passage is the beginnings of that. The pinpointing of the needs of the diagnosis in order to get to the cure. So the question for us, the first question for us this morning, I think, is this. As we look back, even over the last week, or perhaps particularly over the last year, and we reflect on our different needs, (laughs) how does our list compare with Jesus' list? Because from Jesus' perspective, this is our deepest need. Even once we become Christians, to have that ongoing sin dealt with and forgiven and cleansed. Worth thinking about, isn't it? Do I see that as my deepest need? Because I often don't, to be honest. (laughs) There's other things, bikes to fix, work to do, neighbors to sue. (laughs) But this is the need. That's the first big thing then our deepest need but secondly well wonderfully if we finish the story there we might as well leave how boring how depressing would that be we might as well shut down the church we should (laughs) but no it's good news Jesus is great news for everybody one out of one of us why because of those wonderful words verse 20 again friend your sins are forgiven he's shown us our deepest need and he meets us there there at the very deepest place of needs, the darkness, the things of which we're ashamed. He meets us there and says to this guy, friend, your sins are forgiven. Forgiven. Slate wiped clean, conscience cleansed, debts paid, freedom restored. That's what he's saying to this guy. Amazing. You are forgiven. Not you might be, not you could be, you not you will be, but you are present. You are forgiven. He says to this guy lying there. I was on holiday uh, with my sister, uh, mentioned, previously mentioned, not in my life, I was in Norfolk uh, a few weeks ago, and my brother, twin brother, and there we were, a nice little cottage we'd rented, you know, quite posh, nice wooden pine table, 
there. And I, I don't know whether you do coasters in your house. Um, this house did, but I didn't use the coaster. <laughs> and I sat down in my armchair, you know, feeling very grandpa-like, really, slippers, no pipe but a book. And I was really enjoying myself. Put down my cup of tea on this wooden, pine, antique, precious table. <laughs> Lesson number two, other than the bike one, don't do that. <laughs> okay? Because I, I picked up my tea, and to my horror, <laughs> there was this deep, white heat stain <laughs> on this most precious wooden table. I, I shrieked. <laughs> oh, I looked at Katie, what should I do? She shrugged. <laughs> I looked at Tom. He said, Google it. So I Googled it. And do you know what Google tip number one was? Oh, have I got it with me? Googled number tip was this. It said, get a tea towel and get out some toothpaste. And put that toothpaste on a tea towel and wipe away the stain just like that. I thought, what? What Google is this? But I did it. <laughs> and I, I talk about awe in August. This was awe in July. I, on it, it was absolutely amazing. It disappeared within moments, this stain. And actually, I should have told the owner because the table was better than it was before. It shone beautifully. The stain was gone. And I was filled with awe. I have to, it was amazing. And if that's how I feel about a table, don't you think that's how much more should we feel that those stains of our hearts, those, those, those memories of which we're most ashamed, that we dare not tell anyone, those things we've not done, as well as the things we have done, as the Book of Common Prayer puts it, those things, those things have been wiped clean, <laughs> cleaned up. And not just the ones from yesterday, the ones from tomorrow. You are forgiven, he says. And that's true of any Christian, as we come to him in our weakness, and failings, asking for forgiveness. He says, you are forgiven. You know, forgiveness isn't just a sort of package. You know, you go to that nice market by the tube and buy a nice package of, I don't know, what's some nice cheese you get around here. I don't know, from Wednesdaydale, they ship down. But, you know, you don't get a package of forgiveness. Here, have forgiveness. It's, it's not just merely transactional forgiveness. It's, it's utterly relational. You are forgiven. In other words, you're, that's shorthand for your, well, you're welcomed and you're accepted, and you're loved. I saw that on the tube this morning. There's a poster at Clapham Station just here. It says, maybe it's a band, it says, you're loved or something. I thought, that's what the Christian is. Someone who is loved, whose arms of Jesus Christ wrap around us, and say, you're forgiven. You're loved more than you can realize. And our friends, sometimes we fear, if they knew the worst about us, they would run a mile. They, they dodge us at church, they defend us on Facebook, they no platform us. But this Jesus is the opposite. For his people, our sins are the very things that draw him towards us. Such is his compassion for you and me. You know, instinctively we think he'll shrink from us. But his heart is, is for us in grace. As the Puritans used to say, where our sin goes deep, his mercy goes even deeper. You are forgiven. And those are the words we need to hear again and again, aren't they? There's all sorts of voices you and I hear. Maybe we say to ourselves, and this is the word, this is the sentence to say to ourselves again and again, isn't it? You are forgiven. Some of us doubt that this morning, don't we? 
And Jesus says again, let me whisper these words to you again. That as you come to me in faith, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. And he says that because he uniquely has the love, the truth, and the authority to do so, doesn't he? And this is where we come on just briefly to this, this, this intriguing thing about the healing. Because look what the Pharisees, well, look how they feel about all this. To us, it might sound great. I hope it does. But what do these guys think? Verse 21. Who is this fellow? You can hear this disdain, can't you? Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins? but God alone. And they're right. Of course God can only forgive sins because they're committed against him. So if I punched, well, I won't do this, but if I punched Jago on the way and sort of tore his lovely shirt, it's no good Susanna running up to me afterwards and saying, oh, don't worry, I'll forgive you. That's very sweet of her if she does that. But, but it's Jago who's got to forgive him because it's against him that I've committed that heinous act. So too here, by Jesus declaring forgiveness, not as a third party, but in the name of God himself. He's claiming that this sin is against me and I, and I forgive it. And that is what makes these guys bristle. The thought that this man, this carpenter, is somehow God himself. Jesus knows what's going on. And that's why he does this healing in this passage. You see what the logic is there. He says, look, which is easier? Verse 22 um, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? It's a great question. Which is easier? Why we think, well, it, well it's, of course it's easy to say you're forgiven. Anyone can do that. You don't, because you can't see it. You can't see if it's happened or not. Much harder to say, uh, to say it seems, get up and walk. Because the proof is in the pudding. If it doesn't happen, well, it shows he's a, a muppet. And that is why he says, actually, that's why I'm going to heal. <laughs> to show that if I can deal with the seemingly harder thing, it's so that I can show you that I've got the authority to deal with the heart thing. He does the harder thing to show he can do the heart thing. And he does it, get up and walk, and he does. This guy, amazing. Can you imagine the feeling? He goes out and walks out of the building. He does that healing for that reason. But as we begin to draw to close, you know, that question about forgiveness being easy or hard, it's a great question. It's a great point because actually all of us here this morning, we know that forgiveness actually, it isn't easy, is it? There'll be people in our lives who have hurt us and grieved us and maybe even still this morning, people come to mind and perhaps vice versa, people whom we've hurt. And to, to forgive, that's painful, isn't it? It's costly. It's hard. Why? Because, well, because you, you're bearing the pain yourself, aren't you, in forgiveness? So that shirt I tear later from J.K., he can either say, Ed, you have to pay me back for that nice T.M. Lewin shirt that cost me a lot, or whatever it is. Or he can say, I forgive you, and he goes out and buys it himself. He bears the cost himself. And we'll know the pain of that ourselves, won't we? You know, when I was a trainee solicitor, uh, I sat in the Court of Appeal, not, not on the bench, uh, in the gallery, for uh, a client of ours, Neville Lawrence. You know, Neville Lawrence, he's the father of uh, Stephen Lawrence, that, that black teenager murdered 25, 28 years ago, tragically. 
And as I sat in the gallery, listening to the appeal of these two convicted murderers appealing their, 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 their prison sentence, you, you, you could sit there and you could hear a pin drop. And we waited for justice to fall. And it fell. They weren't granted their appeal, they're still in prison, as far as I know. But not much later, Neville Lawrence said this, and it made all the headlines. This is what he wrote. This is what he said. It was one of the hardest things for me to say to myself, I forgive you for the murder of my son. Can you imagine, can you imagine that? The hard... Well, you can't imagine it. How hard that must be to say, I, I do forgive you. And it made the headlines. Why? Because, you know, our culture... We can talk about justice, but we can't talk about forgiveness. We don't know how to talk about that, do we? That's why it was so profound. And so this question of is forgiveness easy or hard? It is hard. And whereas our culture doesn't know a huge amount about forgiveness, maybe, what we see in this passage is that we have a God in Jesus Christ who knows all about forgiveness who knows about the cost of it himself. Why? Well, because he himself was stretched out, not on a, wooden, uh, on a straw mat, but on a wooden cross. And there he is, hanging on a cross, healing the paralysis of our souls. There he's socially isolated. There he's emotionally hopeless. There he's spiritually cut off from his father so that he can say to us, friend, your sins are forgiven. Gosh, what a God who knows the pain of forgiveness, whose scars are still there and one day we'll see. Amazing, isn't it? Those are the lengths he went to. To be able to say to, to this man and to you and I this morning, friend, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Wonderful. If you've never heard that before, please do come to our Alpha course. Chat more. See what you think of it. But for the rest of us, can I suggest two things as we draw to a close, very much uh, to a close now. Two things. Let me suggest two words, an invitation and an imagination. And this is the path to all, because the invitation is this. We prayed the Lord's Prayer wonderfully earlier, and you know the words in that forgive us our sins, it assumes we're praying that prayer every day. And yet if you're like me, you just, well... You forget to say sorry. You, you get a bit forgetful of those sins, those mistakes, those weaknesses. And yet Jesus expects the daily discipline to be confessing, actually. Because that is the path of renewed joy and awe as we appreciate again his forgiveness. Again, the meeting point. We want awe. You can't have it without deep need meeting Jesus Christ. So can I suggest, in fact, can I dare us, get your toothpaste out. I hope you get your toothpaste out anyway in the coming week. Twice a day, I trust. Well, why not this time, this week, just for a day, I'll do the same. This week at bedtime, as you put out your toothpaste and then you look at your beautiful face in the mirror, and as you apply that toothpaste via brush, I presume, tell yourself this, gosh, those stains that I'm wiping away here, be as specific as you can with the sins of that day. That's what Wilberforce used to do, you know? He used to write his besetting sins, he wrote, on specific bits of paper. Why? Because then he could appreciate specifically the forgiveness of those specific sins, not just generally broad brush. So why not, as you brush your teeth for two minutes, have a moment's confession and a moment's thanksgiving. 
that's just as this wipes away the stain of that, well, plaque maybe, and on that table, so too does Jesus Christ wipe away the stains of our hearts. So that's an invitation. Can I, can I dare you to do that? Who'd like to do that? Louisa, thank you for a nod. Lovely. Jamie, you'll do it then as well. Great. Okay. So that's the first big thing, invitation. But secondly, imagination. Imagination. You know, these four or five guys, however many there were of them, carrying this guy on a mat, you know, maybe this is pushing it, but, but what a lovely picture that is of what the mission of any church should be. Don't you think? That we ourselves and those with us, we, we bring ourselves and others with us in all our neediness to Jesus Christ to see what he'll do with it. That's what these guys are doing. It's a little church. It's a little connect group, isn't it, going on here. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this autumn, as your connect groups restart, you know, we take off, well, I don't know what you're like. It's so easy just to wear a mask, isn't it, with each other. But if we know what our deepest need is, it means we can be real with each other. <laughs> Jesus has told us we can be real with each other. And it's as we do that, we can be real too about the great cure. So that's a great thing, isn't it, imagination. And this Tuesday morning with the Breakfast Club, gosh, let's pray for that. And let's see at God at work there as we bring the needs of our community in all its neediness and brokenness and especially this deep need of sin to Jesus Christ and see what he does with it. That's what he loves to do. That's what he loves to do. So our deepest needs is deeper than we think. And yet Jesus Christ meets us there. That's the part of awe this August and this autumn. Shall I say a prayer? And we'll draw stumps there. Oh, Father, we're so sorry again for how little we see our own shortcomings and sins and failings very often. We're sorry for dumbing them down. Please, by your Spirit, would you kindly point them out to us? Not that we might wallow there, but so that we might apply the wonderful forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Would that please inspire us and HTC as a church family to be like those guys on this, carrying this mat, bringing all of our neediness, not our showiness, not our, uh, our sort of how impressive we might be before you, Father. Would we please be those who are broken before you? We're so sorry that we resist that. Thank you that you meet us there at that deepest place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.